God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So let me ask you that question. What does God sound like? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when does God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that dream or that thought was actually just me thinking about it? I just had some bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognize his voice and follow him. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Godconversations.com I was at a church recently and a young couple came up for prayer after the message. They were a good-looking couple, possibly in their, around their mid-twenties. They were standing close together and holding each other's hands tightly. Could you please pray for us, they asked. Could you pray that God would speak to us about whether we should get married? Hmm, what would you pray? Today we're talking about a pretty big question. How do I hear God's voice for Mr. or Mrs. Wright? Or should I be trying to hear from God in this area at all? How do I know what's God's will? Who should I marry? And does God have one special person for each one of us? Hi, welcome to episode 29 of God Conversations. My name is Tanya Harris and I'm a pastor, speaker and founder of this ministry that aims to equip you how to recognise and respond to God's voice. Well, these are incredibly important questions, aren't they? Quite possibly the most important ones we could ask about our earthly lives, as it affects deeply who we are and what we become. Maybe you're dating and considering the question right now. Maybe your parents and you're watching your young adult children go through the process. Or maybe you're single, widowed or divorced later in life and you're wondering, how do I do this well? In this podcast, we're going to have a look at answering this very important question. And in case you're wondering, I'm also going to call on some help. Someone who's married, who's actually had some first-hand experience. So, let's talk about this topic. Hearing God's voice for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Well, the first question is, would God actually speak about this area at all? Some people would say, no, he doesn't. But, you know, you've probably been like me. You've heard too many stories about how God has brought people together supernaturally and how he has spoken. And why wouldn't he? This is the most important area of our lives. Why wouldn't he be interested in who we marry, in the person that we choose to do life with? I know from my own experience, he's spoken to me about marriage. I remember when I was 21 years old and I was really trying to work out what this Christian life looked like. And I was just finished, I'd just finished reading a book by Amy Carmichael, a woman who'd given her life completely to God. She was single. So I said to God, you know what, God, I'm going to be single for you. I'm going to serve you fully. I'm not having any distractions. (laughs) And I remember it so clearly. I was sitting in a park by a little creek bed and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, no, you won't. You won't be single. And I'm like, no, I'm going to be single for you. No, you won't be single. Later on, when I was 26 years old, he called me into ministry and he reiterated to me, yeah, you're going to be married one day. And he continued to speak to me about it, actually, when I was planting my church. Some of you have heard the story. I fully expected that God would bring along my husband at that point because I I didn't think it was possible that a single woman could plant a church. I needed to be married. Every other church I'd seen, every role, every model I had seen always involved a husband and and their wives. So I thought, oh, well, God, you're going to give me my husband now. 
And he said, no, not now, <laughs> not yet. I want you to do this on your own. So I know that God has spoken to me. Um, as you probably have worked out, the promise hasn't come to pass yet. And I'm kind of praying that it happens before we get to the nursing home. But I do know that God can speak into this area of our lives. And so what I want to do in this podcast is to give us some wisdom tips. I want to have a look at seven different principles that you that can help you on a very practical level, how to hear God's voice for Mr. or Mrs. Wright. The first one is this, no one size fits all. Every situation is different. As you talk to people, you'll notice that some people have spoken, that some people have heard very clearly God speak to them in this area, while others haven't. And every person's path is very different how they get to this point. There's a lot of variety. And, and when we look at, well, how do I work it out? What's the, what's the rules that I follow? We go to the Bible, you know, that, that place of authority to say, God, What's the best way of doing this? We find that there's actually not much there at all. In fact, the Bible was written, the Old Testament in the ancient world, the world of the ancient Near East, and then the the New Testament in the Greco-Roman world. And their idea of dating and marriage is so different to ours. If you've done any type of study in history, you'll see, and it's actually relevant today in some parts of the world, the Middle East, that the main way of getting married was through arranged marriages. Your parents would decide. So this question of, well, how do I find Mr. or Mrs. Wright is not really relevant in those spheres. In fact, some of the Bible stories about courtship and marriage, there's only a couple of them, but they take place against that context. I was quite devastated not that long ago to read about the story about Ruth and Boaz. You know, it's the class classic love story. And it's only four chapters long if you want to read it for yourself in the Bible. But uh, it's always painted as this wonderful story about this this widow Ruth. And she meets this, this you know, stately man who's got wealth and he can look after her and, they, and God brings them together. And then she proposes to him and then they get married. And it's this beautiful love story. But the reality of that story, it's set against the backdrop of the ancient world. Ruth and her mother-in-law were widows. And if you're a widow in that day and age, you were destitute, you were poor, and you couldn't go out and get a job and make a living for yourself. So without a husband, it was all over. In fact, the Levitical law was set up to cater for this, such that if your husband died, it would be the responsibility of your husband's brother to then take you on as another wife to help look after your welfare. And that's the kind of context. So Boaz, when he was accepting that marriage proposal, it was as much about looking after her financially as any kind of romantic ideal. So when we come to the Bible, we realize that well, there's actually not a huge amount there. So what we need to do is extract some wisdom principles generally from the nature and heart of God and look at, okay, what are some basics that we need to, to, to look at? And then we work them out within the specific context of our own situation. Here's a basic, and I think this is very clear in the Bible, is that we need to consult God and we need to consider God's destiny for our lives. This is the most important decision on this earth that we can make, apart from knowing God. And so we want to submit it to God. We want to ask Him. We want to seek His guidance. We want to pray, God, would you help me, show me, lead me? I think about the story, the, the one story that, you know, we, we can derive some wisdom from is the story of Isaac and Rebecca. And Abraham was 
playing his fatherly role in trying to find a suitable wife for Isaac. And so he calls his servant, not Isaac, he calls his servant and he asks his servant, now I want you to go and find a wife for Isaac. Can you imagine? And um, you'll notice that there's a bit of a story you can find in Genesis chapter 24. I encourage you to read it. A little bit of a story about involving camels and and um, things like that. But I want you to highlight what happens at the start of the story. Genesis 24 verse 12, when he prays, O Lord God of my master Abraham, give me success today. He prays. He consults God. He says, God, would you help me? And, and I encourage you to pray, to really seek God and say, God, would you help me? Would you show me? And there was one prerequisite for this wife that Isaac's servant was looking for. One thing that Abraham said, I want you to make sure, whatever you do, whatever woman you come to find for my son Isaac, I want you to have a look at this because I think it applies. Genesis 24, verses 5 to 8. The servant asks him, What if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country you came from? What was he asking? Well, Abraham and his son Isaac, that whole generation, was called to be in a specific place, in the promised land. And the servant's saying, What if this woman won't come back to this land? What if she won't join in on this legacy? What if she won't become a part of this promise? What do I do then? And then look what Abraham says. He said, make sure that you do not take my son back there. See, God had made a promise and he'd given him a destiny. He'd given him a calling. And what he was saying was, make sure that this woman is willing to be a part of that destiny. Make sure that she is in alignment with what God has for my son. And I think the most important thing is to ask that question is to say, is this person going to be in alignment with what God has for us? Now, the thing about that is you may not know what that future holds. You may not have it mapped out, but there's a heart there that's willing to submit. Are you going to be with someone that's going to join with you in God's plan for your life, whatever that looks like? I remember listening to a story, uh, one of my friends actually, let's call her Karen. She was dating a really handsome guy, a really sporty, good looking guy. They'd been dating for a while. They were in love and they were about to go on a date. Now, this was a very important date because my friend said she knew that he was about to marry her and he was. He had a ring. He was ready to go. My friend Karen was getting ready for the big date. She was getting her clothes ready. She was putting her makeup on and making herself look good. And as she was doing that, she thought to herself, oh, you know what? I should ask my father God just to check to make sure that this is okay. You know, it's a bit like that tradition of asking for the father's permission for the hand of the woman in marriage. So she sent up a quick prayer. She said, God, if this is not for you, I pray that you would stop it. Could you stop it? Because I'm not strong enough to stop it myself. Just a simple prayer she was getting ready. She went out for dinner that night, this beautiful restaurant. It's a romantic moment. They're both enjoying each other's company. But as the evening progressed, it started to get more and more strained. Her boyfriend had the ring in his pocket. But the night wore on and there was no proposal. And in fact, by the end of it, it all got a bit awkward. The next day he rang her and then he came over and he said, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but suddenly my feelings have changed. 
I love you only as a sister. And then they broke up. <laughs> she consulted God and God answered. <laughs> I've heard stories like that often recently in a church. A, a lovely lady called Melissa, she was engaged to be married. And she went on a holiday with her friend and God spoke to her, said, this is not the man I have for you. It's important to consult God. It's important to give him the room to speak into this area of our lives. The third thought, having consulted God, understand that this is the most difficult area, I believe, to hear from God. It really is. So much of our emotions and our agendas are involved, and it's very easy for us to get it wrong. You know, it's much easier to submit our money and our time, even our career, but this one's really tough because it gets at our heartstrings. And some of the biggest mistakes have been made in this area because emotions involved, intense emotions, hormones are involved. And sometimes we find it difficult to submit to God. But this is the thing, if we can submit in this area, then everything else becomes really easy. I, I heard another story recently about a young woman. She fell in love with a guy. And in the early days, it was very exciting. It was wonderful. But the guy began to draw her away from God. And she had this conflict that he, she just had this feeling that being with him was drawing her away. At the same time, on the other side of the country, another person, a friend of hers, had a dream one night. And in the dream, she saw her friend and this boyfriend, and she could see that this boyfriend was drawing her away. She rang her up the next day and said, I've just had this dream about you. And she began to tell her about it, and she described the boyfriend exactly. She'd never seen him before, but God was speaking clearly, and he was saying, this man is drawing you away. The result of that was she broke up with her boyfriend for a time, and then they got back together again. You know, if God speaks to us, we need to be ready to submit to his plan. We need to be ready to lay down our lives. And sometimes that involves taking up a cross. That means sometimes we have to surrender our lives at the deepest area. But if you can surrender this area, it's much easier to surrender the rest. And God is going to bless us. His plans are good for us. It doesn't always mean that he comes in with a quick fix straight away. You know, this area of my life has been surrendered to God for a long time. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to get exactly what I want straight away. We have to trust his timing and his wisdom on our lives. But I encourage you to surrender this area fully, to lay it down. And I know that it's difficult because it's often touches at the deepest part of our lives. But it's so important if we want all that God has for us. Fourth wisdom point, what do we do when God doesn't speak. Think about that young couple who came up to me asking for prayer, saying, can you pray that God will speak if we're meant to be together? Well, you can imagine, can't you? There's no way I was going to try and get an answer from God from coming through me. You know, many churches have a principle that we just don't try and hear God for other people's marriages because it's just too dangerous, to be honest. It's too risky. People need to take responsibility for their own lives and for hearing God for themselves. But I, I sat and I chatted with that couple for a short time and I said, well, do you love each other? The answer was yes. I said, are you compatible with each other? The answer was yes. Are you committed to God's plan for your lives, both of you, fully committed? They said yes. I said, if you talk to your friends and your leaders and your families around you who love you and who know you, what do they think? Do they, you know, do they approve? They said yes. I said, well, <laughs> 
do you really need God to add any more to that mix? Sometimes God asks us to make decisions. We invite Him, we pray, we ask Him, we consult Him, but we're also involved in this process. And we need to go through the common sense principles, the wisdom principles of people who know what it is to be married and to consult people who are outside of ourselves, who can see things that we can't see see those blind spots that we sometimes have difficulty seeing and ask God for wisdom. Does it line up with God's plan? Does it line up with God's call? Have you prayed about it? I encourage you to do all those things. We're going to talk about a few more wisdom principles right after this break. Have you ever heard one of those stories about someone who thought they heard from God, but they actually didn't? Then there's all the damage and fallout that goes with it. We know that God speaks But how do we know it's His voice we're hearing and not something we made up ourselves? The good news is that Jesus promised His people we'd be able to know His voice and follow it. Just like the Bible characters who've gone before us, we can learn to recognise His voice. The Other Side of the Conversation series is designed to take you step by step through the biblical teaching on hearing God's voice, as well as plenty of practical tips that you can apply in the context of your local church. We've worked really hard to create an excellent resource that has been used in churches all around the world and has the potential to change your life. The box set includes a documentary-style DVD with six 15-minute episodes, plus a guidebook for individual or small group use. You can buy it online from Curon Books in Australia, Manor in New Zealand, or at the godconversations.com store. Remember, The ability to hear God's voice is given to everyone who chooses to follow Jesus. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. So we're looking at how to hear God's voice from Mr. and Mrs. Wright. And to help me on the second half of the podcast, I've got a special guest here with me in the studio. I'm bringing in an expert. I'm bringing in the big guns. I want to introduce you to this man. He is um, multi-gifted, amazing range of gifts. He's not just a, he's he's a pastor. And in fact, he's counseled many people as they've been uh, gone on the path to marriage. He's very prophetic. He knows how to hear God's voice and implement it. He's very creative. He's a songwriter. He's an engineer, a producer, and um, a highly skilled man. And I respect him greatly. He's also on the leadership team of God Conversations. So let me introduce you to Peter Wallace. Great to have you here, Pete. Thanks, Tanya. Hi there. Great to have you on the other side of the microphone. There it is. <laughs> now, Peter, I've asked you to come in because you're a little bit of an expert in this area. You've actually heard from God about marriage and then you've married someone. And you've been married for... I've been married 29 years now. 29 years. And let me tell you, she is a beautiful wife, she a good sure friend of is. mine. Yes. Lorraine, we say hi to you at work today. <laughs> but tell me, Pete, can you tell me how did you come to make a decision to marry Lorraine? I think it was probably one of those common sense community decisions, but I know that Rain heard from God. There's oh, yeah. She was what did walking. She hear? Well, she was walking the halls of her high school and uh, in her senior years. Gosh, and, how old were you? Oh, gee, well, look, <laughs> we were married young. We were 20 and 21 when we got oh. married. And gee, if you find the right person, get on with yeah, it. Yeah, why wait? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but she was walking the halls of her high school and she just, she said it was just totally out of the blue. She's walking from one class to another and suddenly she just felt the voice. I'm going to marry Peter. She just knew. She just knew. And from that day, she says it was just absolutely sure. And and, and so, you know, it was, uh, there's something really set in her heart. I noticed it. The conviction that was really strong. Mm. Why do you think God spoke to her and not to you? I think God gives us the desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think that God put that desire in her heart. 
I think I think it was a love thing for towards right. her. Marriage was always something that she's always wanted and 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 wanted the companionship. And so I think it was it meant more to her. Yeah. It was a bit of a treat for her from her father. Did she find that you know, she'd heard from God on it, but did she find in the natural there were some obstacles to that that she then encountered as she went along or Oh, yeah, they always say that the path to true love is uh, is is it's a rocky it's, it's one. a rocky road. Look, we we had to work through community issues, and I think that was probably one of the the great guiding lights for us is that we grew up in church. We had strong family connections, and we still do. And so, a lot of it was about grafting ourselves into community and for family to understand the direction that we were taking in. Right. Tell me, how did you know she was the one? Look, did I really, did you really see know? Her across the room and go, she's my woman. I don't think I ever did. I think for me, it was the engagement process, which yeah. was, it just made sense according to the pattern of courtship, I guess. Yeah. But I'll never forget that that moment when I actually said, I do. I actually felt there was a, uh, a contract was uh, made at a deeper level than just my right. head. And so I think for me, it was, I made a decision when I said I do. Was I in love with her? I was everything in in her. I was in mm. love with her. I had puppy love. I had all of that stuff. But I don't think there was a real sense of real conviction until I'd actually made a decision as a right. man, this is my wife and I'm going to walk the life with you. There was, there was a sense of peace, I guess, that you had? Or? Oh, look, even, even that was rocky as well. I, I think it was very much a, I just sensed God watching over the decisions that I was making right. and strengthening me to keep my word. Um, and that's been, you know, that's very much part of my, my character. I'm a bit flighty, I'm a bit creative, a bit, yeah. a bit out there. But I understood the word that I gave to my wife and I'm more and more in love with her every year that passes, to be quite honest. Aww, that's a cliche, yeah, isn't it? you are. You but guys- it's true. You guys are a model of a great marriage. I've watched you in all sorts of situations, so we can certainly see the fruit of it. I think when we're looking at wisdom principles for finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright, that sometimes God does speak, and obviously he spoke to Lorraine. But, you know, I think sometimes what can happen when we want to hear God speak about this area is that so that we can not take responsibility sometimes. And I think that that's a real caveat if we do hear God speak, that we still need to take responsibility because, you know, there's, there's also another bunch of stories. And I, I know another friend of mine who heard God speak. Actually, his wife heard God and she saw him in a vision. She'd never met him before. And God said, that's the man you're going to marry. And half an hour later, he turned up at her doorstep. And you can imagine. How good would that be? Mm, that's made easy, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone wants one of those, don't they? If only. Well, they married. And I think they had a very, you know, short courtship. And 25 years on... They were divorced a couple of years ago, mm. and it was it's pretty shocking, isn't it? Mm. But it yeah. do, it does teach us something, I think, that God can speak, and um, sometimes He doesn't speak, but sometimes mm. He does. But even when He does, that doesn't mean it's a carte blanche, you know, guarantee for success. In that He wants us to take responsibility as people. That hearing God's voice on this and getting His guidance doesn't mean well everything's going to be. Fine and dandy. Mm. We actually have to be involved in investing in a relationship and building a relationship and doing all the wisdom things as well. Mm. And this is where the divine human partnership comes together. Yeah, and I think also that God holds us responsible for the blessings that he gives us. Mm. He might say, here's a beautiful wife, look after her. And then the choices we make after that is is whether we honour that. Yeah, we say, I do. 
and then I keep doing. Because mm. <laughs> you could say I do and then not do. Absolutely. <laughs> Too easy. Um, actually, I was, I was reading a piece of research recently by a man called Stephen Parker, mm-hmm. and he did some research called Led by the Spirit in 1996, and he looked at hearing God's voice from a psychological angle. Mm. And it was found that sometimes when people who were inclined to look to God to always give them the answer for their decision-making is that it was a compensation for a lack of critical reflection and diminished ego control on their part. So it was a bit like reverting back to a childlike state where we're looking to our parents to make all our decisions for us. Mm-hmm. And where that was happening, there was a greater potential for self-deception. Absolutely. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Very interesting. I, I just think, okay, so yeah, I'm consulting God. Yes, I'm I'm praying. I'm going, show me, speak to me. You know, great, give me a vision of my, my partner. And then they turn up at the doorstep. Awesome. Yeah. That doesn't diminish my responsibility. Yeah for this relationship and for the process that I now go through. Mm. That's actually true in every level of faith, isn't it? Yes. Like, you know, God can give you a ministry and um, then suddenly he's quiet and he says, no, I gave it to you to build. It's yeah. in my glory. What are you doing yes. with it? Yeah. I'm sitting on my hands and waiting for it to happen. That's uh-huh. what I'm doing with it. <laughs> yes. Okay, what about this scenario, six wisdom, principle, uh, six wisdom principle? What do we do when God does speak but only to one person? Ah, yes, that so, old little yeah, chestnut. Yeah, that little chestnut. Yeah, well, that was definitely my case. Ah, well, actually, I had a situation in, in a church recently in Europe where a young woman came up to me and she said, can I chat with you? Mm. And she said, a few years ago, a man who I knew in my youth group said to me that God had told him that he was going to marry me. And I said, no. Ouch. And yeah. And now I'm thinking, oh, did I make a mistake? Should I have married him because I'm still single? (laughs) And maybe that was, you know, God's plan for my life and I've missed it. What would you say to that? So I'd speak to the lady now in her current state and say, you know what, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to purpose. And you know what, I love God because he works within the humanity that he actually created in us. And I think that that point of decision that we all have to make is that I think God is the God of the second chance. I always do believe. And I think that's in every, every area of life. And so better to not be looking back and wondering yeah. what if, you know, should I, coulda, woulda, I'd definitely be saying, okay, maybe, but you know what, the future's ahead of me and now I'm going to be open to what mm. God puts in front of me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's another scenario. Two of my very good friends, both of this happened to, God spoke to them about their husbands mm. and took a long time before their men caught up. Mm. In fact, um, it was quite a painful process mm. and they kept their mouth shut by and large, and they waited mm. for God to bring it together. Ugh. Yeah, it's so difficult with personality types, isn't it? If only we were like Isaac and the servant just waited around for the woman to bring the water to the camels. That's a pretty clear sign. Yeah, that's a sign. If you have but, a herd of camels turn up at your doorstep and mm-hmm. there's a woman, a beautiful grab woman offering to grab your buy you a drink. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's a sign. Yeah, that's right. Straight to the garden <laughs> tap, I say. Yeah. yeah, so one God speaks to one but not the other. What do yeah. you think about that? Look, I, I, I think that that's, that takes patience. And I think that if God has really told you that, it's really about how you go with standing on the word, about uh, standing on his promises. Yeah. I know friends who, who, who've, who sincerely believe that God has said, no, that's the one for me. And uh, the process has been years. The fruit is in the eating. Yeah. You know what? Is, did it come about? Well, yes. 
it did come about, didn't want to be them. But do you know what? I think God's got our own paths for each person. He loves us individually yeah. and I can't tell people how to how to do this stuff when God has actually spoken to them clearly. Mm. I think it's about being in community and loving people who are in the journey. You know, and it's it's back to that point, no one size fits all, Absolutely. isn't it? It Absolutely. is different and different. God has a different way and someone's waiting for a partner over here but then someone else is waiting for a career to unfold over here. Or mm. There's always something that... Well, it's often God has made a promise in some area and then there's a journey of faith towards it. But I think there is wisdom around that situation as well. To go up to someone and say, God told me that you're going to marry me. See, this doesn't work. It just doesn't work in our culture either. Well, not even that, but why, why it doesn't work is because you've now taken away that person's will. That's right. And that person's responsibility to to take responsibility. You're using that as a manipulation. And I think this is where there's great wisdom. God may speak to you about someone and um, you have to then work out with God what the wisdom steps are in handling that because you cannot take away the other person's will. God never does that. And so then you have a situation down the track where one says, well, God, this was the marriage partner you gave me, and we're blaming God when mm. actually you say I do. That's it. Oh, it's mm. tricky, this it thing, is tricky. isn't it? All right, one last thing, one last question for you. Is there only one person for me? I tell you what, that would have made it pretty awkward for Ruth, wouldn't it? Because obviously she's a widow. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she yeah, already had a husband. You... What, what do you do yeah. once he's died? Well, Darn it. obviously. That's obviously mm. what's happened. My husband, that oh. God, my soulmate. No, 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 no. I, I actually like the idea of soulmates, Pete. I'm actually I'm a bit totally... of a romantic yeah, myself. There you go. I tell you what, that takes work. I, don't, I actually don't think that it just happens. I think there's a trust level that you've got to enter into. I actually think that that's the, that is the ideal for a marriage state. So you're saying that I think there you is make your wife, one, you make your husband, your soulmate. There's more than mate. one soulmate. Is that what you're saying? Oh, I think it's a decision of connection. So, but now you have one soulmate because you're married. And that's my choice. Yeah. yeah. And it's a decision that I reinforce by my behaviours. Sometimes I've done that better and worse, but it's also, you know, I reinforce that decision by my time allocation, by how I, how I do everything in life. The Bible doesn't teach us or say anything about soulmates. I think no. it's a lovely notion. And if we are married, then, yeah, mm-hmm. we have one person that we're dedicated to. But I also think, as we were saying before, Pete, that there is um, human free will involved and that we have the capacity to work with God mm. on lots of different choices and lots of different options. And mm. maybe I should move to China. Because there's nah, more men over there, Pete. Yeah, statistically you know, speaking. But <laughs> how does that work statistically? Yeah, yeah but there's the right man, Mr. Right <laughs> ah, there. Yeah, ah, yeah. Yes. Thanks very much. Yes. Well, I'm so glad I've you, I've got you to glean from, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Keep praying for me because it's not working yet. I need you to fast and pray a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. But um, hey, look, thanks, thanks for listening to us today. We hope it's been helpful to you. We hope it's given you some guidelines for how to, to really face this process. And as we've been saying, consult your community, the people around you that know and love you and take other people on the journey. Don't make this decision in isolation. I think that is a brilliant way. God works through his people. Can I just pray for you quickly? Can we just do that, Pete, praying Mm, for our listeners? Father, we just pray that you will give every person who's looking at this question wisdom and insight. We pray that you would give them the ability to surrender this area 100% to you in every aspect. And I pray, God, that you would guide them and give them success and bring them to the person that is right for them and can help them fulfill their destiny in you.
Yes, amen. Hey, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you so much for, for listening in. Can I encourage you? Can you share this around? You know, I know lots of youth pastors and young people who'd really benefit from this. Godconversations.com forward slash podcast 029 is the place to go to to share it around so that we can help people make this really important decision for their life. Been great talking to you today. Looking forward to talking to you again on the God Conversations podcast. I'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast by Tanya Harris. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this topic. So post your comments on the blog page of godconversations.com or at facebook.com forward slash Tanya M. Harris. Help us to equip others to recognize God's voice by rating the series on iTunes. Remember, Jesus said we would know his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. 